OWS fam, the Sharp Football Analysis Nation. We are back in the kitchen cooking up that heat, that fire for the Week 17 main slate. And this slate is a lot different than what we've seen of recent weeks. We go from a 10-game slate, a 9-game slate, now to a 13-game main slate. Yes, we had that game last night. We have the Saturday game. No Monday game this week, only Sunday night football. So that leaves us with a healthy 13-game slate. We're going to get into that here shortly. Before we do, I want to give a huge shout out to you all for joining us this season. We will be back for week 18 main slate. We do not know just yet how we're going to handle the playoffs. We'll talk about that and get an announcement out there. But sincerely, thank you for joining us this season on this new show. It has been a blast, and I'm sure Rich is going to attest to the same here shortly. But with that, or I guess also best of luck to you best ballers out there. Quite a start to championship week last uh, last night um, with multiple players putting up some nice, hefty scores. So you know what's up. We are Hilo and Rich, and this is Searching for Ceiling. One week season. Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever you may celebrate. Mr. Rich Rebar is back in the kitchen, man. How we doing and how was your holidays, dude? It, it was nice. You know, the NFL didn't make it feel quite like a holiday, but, uh, you know, we, yeah. we we had some great takes on the show last week again. Uh, we were all over leaderboards again. I'm sorry that I gave away your lineup on Pete Overs' that, show dude, after I left it. That's that's a hilarious story. We'll talk about that here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we were all over leaderboards. And dude, I was really sniffing something on FanDuel. And if I just would have had more combinations of Garrett Wilson in my Flacco stacks, uh, yeah. I mean, Calvin Ridley in place of Garrett Wilson in my Flacco stacks over there, uh, we would have we would have been really celebrating this week. Yeah, that was uh, to, to fill everyone in on what Rich alluded to right there. <laughs> Uh, I made a post on Twitter about how the hell in a $555 entry Millie Maker tournament, my roster was duped five times. Never happened to me before in the history of my DFS career. I'm a game theory guy. My goal is to not be duped. <laughs> like That is the entire premise of why I'm here. Uh, and I was duped five times. I posted my lineup and then Pete Overzet comes out of the woodwork with a screenshot of his show which Rich so graciously filled in for one week season four. Uh, yeah, filled last in for JM. <laughs> he filled in for JM. I was filled in for JM and me because I was the, the first alternate. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't do it. And I come to find out that Rich built my roster in that <laughs> tournament um, on air. So I was like, oh, that, that, that makes a lot of sense why my roster was duped five times. And I had not seen that show this week because things got busy. So that was quite... I don't know, quite funny. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense why I was duped five times here. Um, anyway, so, yeah, we were very clearly on the same page heading into the week. We yep, built yep. the exact same roster. Um, I only entered one roster last week. It was, again, it was a crazy week. Um, I put that roster that you built on air into the 555. We cashed still. It's still we cashed. cashed. Yeah, it cashed. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a little bit sweaty after the early games. Um, well, the first half until Brees Hall uh, went bonkers. That was... A mistake by my part last week. Um, the roster that you and I built, that one that was in question, um, had enough leverage in it to not need to pivot from Brees Hall to um, to Garrett Wilson. So that's for another story. Yeah. If you're interested in hearing the um, my thoughts on my decision-making process, there's some housed at one-week season. There's some housed at 33rd teams. Go check those out. Without any further ado, well, okay, Jalen Waddle has been ruled out. We kind of saw that coming. But without further ado, man, let's talk about this slate. As we mentioned in the intro, 13 games. We haven't mm -hmm. seen this since, what, week? Week four. I don't know. Week, week four. Okay, well, there it is. Yeah, it dude, it's been, been all season. It has been a while. 13 gamer. What does that mean? That means to us from a theoretical perspective, there is more opportunity for outlier production to exist. Mm -hmm. That means we're more likely to need a higher raw point total to win GPPs this week. So we have to factor that in as we're building our rosters and stuff like that. We won't get into any more of the theoretics. Let's talk about this slate. I'll do a quick rundown 
Um, and before we do that, yes, let us go, baby. Sharps on sharps on more sharps. Love the show. Thank you for that, man's fan. And Mr. Mercer, best DFS show on YouTube. Appreciate those shouts, guys. Again, we appreciate you. Without you, we would not be here talking about football, which Rich and I absolutely love to do. So thank you. Uh, with that, we've got a lot of what we're used to, modest to low game totals. Pats at Bills, 40. The Saints and Buccaneers, 42 and a half. Talk about this game. This one's a little bit interesting to me. Uh, we'll talk about that here shortly. Mm-hmm. The Falcons and the Bears, the beautiful. This is <laughs> this is kind of amazing to me that this game total has at least 38 points. Um, I thought this one might be a little bit lower. Uh, <laughs> the Titans and the Texans, 44 points. The Niners and the Commanders, 49 and a half, with the bulk of those points on the 49ers side. Again, implied for more than 30 points. That they, That's what they do. They just score 30 points. That's important to us as well. Raiders and the Colts, 42 and a half. Rams and the Giants, 43 and a half. This one's also interesting to me. The Dolphins and the Ravens with the second highest game total on the slate, 47. This one's very interesting to me because we have two top five offenses and we have two top half of the league defenses with very clearly the Ravens ranked first in points allowed per game. Wide range of outcomes alert on that one. Panthers, Jags, modest 38. 0.0 Cardinals and the Eagles with most of it on the Eagles side again 48.0 Steelers Seahawks 41 Chargers and the Broncos look at that baby we got a nice juicy 30 after woo doggy and then to round us out 44 points for the Bengals visiting the Chiefs so going through that the field is very clearly going to be very interested on those two teams in the highest game totals uh, we have the San Francisco 49ers. We have the Philadelphia Eagles. How do you see the field kind of handling that other game with a high game total, the Dolphins and the Ravens? Yeah, I always like we always talk about in the show the context of like how we think gamers are going to start to build lineups around this slate. And the, with this being one of the largest slates, it's also followed a three-week run where we've talked about it literally every show that it, it each slate – has been more of a structure to pay down at quarterback. And that has mm-hmm. been the optimal way to build around those slates. Now we have all of the big horses back, back in the yeah. player pool, Jalen hurts in the player pool, Josh Allen in the player pool, uh, Brock Purdy in a revenge spot. And then like, you know, revenge, like a rebound spot against this commander's defense in the player pool. Yeah. Uh, everyone is here. Lamar Jackson's in the player pool. We haven't had that in the case of the past three weeks. It's typically been one guy that you needed to fail or just not blow away the field. You pay down at quarterback. But then also, we kind of have a lot of catnip out there this week. We got a lot of backup quarterbacks playing. They're dirt cheap. And we also have a lot of pay-up options that gamers are going to want to get into, cram into lineups by all means necessary. Whether it be Christian McCaffrey against the Commanders, Tyree Kill with Jalen Waddell out, Kyron Williams, in this amazing spot that could have Dexter Lawrence missing the game too. Uh, yeah. it, you, it's hard to pay pay for all these guys. And so gamers may want to skate back to just paying down at quarterback again. But is that going to be an optimal way if you know Jalen Hurts has 30, if Josh Allen has 30? So that context alone for the slate makes this a lot different than where we've been operating the last month. Unfortunately for that, Dolphins Ravens game I think for the fourth week in a row the game of the week from a real life perspective has multiple avenues of failure from a DFS and fantasy perspective yeah. uh, and that's where we were we've talked about it literally the last three weeks Cowboys uh Dolphins you know a week ago Cowboys uh Bills the week before that Chiefs Bills the week before that all of the and we're in the same spot right like we, the Dolphins haven't traveled well they have injuries everywhere, offensive line, running back, wide receiver, uh, all over the board. The defense is, is humming. Like The defense is playing good. They're not giving up lots of points. Uh, we might have the Ravens without Kyle Hamilton. We'll see if he plays. But like the Ravens are also a team that, from a fantasy perspective, it's more Lamar Jackson and a sum of parts. We will maybe talk yeah. about the Flowers, but it's typically that's what it is for fantasy. They have some nice pieces that we can get work around, maybe Flowers or Isaiah Likely. But it's not a game that screams onslaught for attacking from a DFS perspective. And if anyone wants to chase the week two box score from last year when these two teams played and had that 
fantasy bonanza. I mean, the elements of this game are so completely different from that one um, that I don't think that that's going to be the the fruitful way to build, you know, lineups this week. I mean, they still have Devin Duvernay who can return a kickoff. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> we can't forget about Devin Duvernay. I do want to talk about Tyreek Hill for a little bit though when we get yes. there. Yes, yes, we will. Yes, and that. Let's real quick like emphasize how a game like what what leads to a game like erupting like we saw last year uh, with the Ravens and the Dolphins. Typically, what we see when a game environment truly erupts like that is it's driven through individual talent, basically. Yes, like the offensive tendencies and the state of the defense matter in that equation. But the biggest contributing factor to a game erupting is individual talent and upside. What happened in that game last year when these teams blew up? Duvernay returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. That's your spark. That game environment was ignited from that point. Then you have the Ravens jumping out to this massive lead, and you have the Miami Dolphins like clawing back in the second half to a, I think he threw six touchdowns in that game. Yep. Um, yeah, that was bonkers. But that it, that game was ignited from the opening kickoff. So in that discussion, this game very clearly still has pieces for like this this igniting factor. Like Tyreek Hill is still here. We still have Devon H. Chan. We still have Raheem Mostert. Yeah, they're hobble dish. Um, we still have, um, a guy like Rashad Bateman who has a downfield role. Devin Duvernay is there. Odo Beckham has, um, really excelled against man coverage. So those like elements are still present. They are far less likely in 2023 meeting of these two teams than they were last year, um, in that same spot, if that makes sense. Um, so that's why I say this game has an extremely wide range of outcomes. Um, and I haven't, again, looked at ownership just yet. Um, but typically for wide range of outcomes spots, we want to be looking to ownership going potentially overweight uh, at low ownership and then going potentially underweight to fading at high ownership. So that's the theoretics. That's the big picture of this game, this game environment. Um, we can talk about the individual pieces here shortly. Um, anything to add on that discussion, Rich? No, yeah, I mean, I mean, just this this matchup a year ago, if you know, if we're box score hunting, I mean, just th this state of the Ravens defense at this point last year with the pieces yeah. they were missing, it, it was it's just so different than to try to just glom onto. And and when you talk about the individual pieces of this game, that's I think you're looking more like a one off, right? Like you're looking for one yeah. of those players that can kind of get over here, whether it be a Tyreek, an A-Chan, a likely, uh, you know, Flowers, an Odell, something like that. You're looking for more, I think, of a one off piece from this game. Like we have in these games of the week in weeks prior, right? Uh, whether it be, you know, James Cook from a couple weeks ago or, you know, you know, that, that along those lines. Yeah. So in that same discussion, in looking for like hidden upside of a game environment, which is going to kind of encompass a core of a DFS roster, what are the spots you're looking to this week? And we talked about the massive um, spreads of the Eagles and the 49ers. <laughs> um, is this a case where you're stacking up those offenses or are there other game environments around the slate where we can build around? I mean, yeah, it depends what direction you want to take to. You want to talk through the popular stuff that we're going to see or just like start with Buck Saints because we have two Let's more. Let's start with that one. Let's start with that one. <laughs> I mean, just because, I mean, listen, you, we, people have talked. We've talked about it for, it hasn't been all 17 weeks, but it probably has been like eight of the last 10 weeks where I just start the week, man. And I always look to see who the Buccaneers are playing because the Buccaneers yeah. are one of my favorite game stacking environments. They have a team that has struggled to defend the pass. And even when it looked like they were healthier last week, they had more injuries on the back end. They can't keep Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis on the field together. Mm -hmm. uh, they offensively, and then on the offensive side of the ball, they have a competent passing game. They have a very mid to subpar run game and they have a thin usage tree. Like they're just an inviting team to stack weekly, like their game environments. So, I mean, I'm always drawn to the Buccaneers. This is very, very interesting. And I think it's very, very interesting for the top level, like clear and obvious, which is like who are the Bucks playing. Um, and it's very, very interesting for the nuanced aspects of kind of who these teams have been over the last four weeks, because that's a very different picture than their season long tendencies. Um, I'll add the Colts to that discussion of like what I what I'm looking for when I open up like the week. Um, who are the Colts playing? Who are the Buccaneers playing? Um, that's kind of where I start. But anyway. Um, digging into the nitty gritty here, 
This Saints defense has the largest drop off in rush DVOA on the defensive side or mm -hmm. rush EPA um, on the defensive side of the ball over the last four weeks compared to the first 12 weeks of the season. On the other hand, you have a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who now is amongst or who has the third highest rush rate over the last four weeks. That's massive changes to where these teams started the season, where the Buccaneers getting behind Baker Mayfield, slinging the ball around the yard, um, and the Saints were a well-rounded defensive unit. They're now getting kind of gashed on the ground, and this Buccaneers team is kind of running the football. Um, very, yeah, winning, very winning games helps that, you know, I think winning the, games that, does help. Yes. I think the bucks are on a five and two heater, right? Like they're, yeah. Don't call it a heater, man. This team is cooking, dude. Four in a row. Yeah. I think they've won four in a row. Yeah. That is, that is very interesting to the dynamics of this game, the dynamics of this spot. I mean, you still look at this, this Tampa Bay offense, they're still scoring points. I mean, 29 or more points in each of the last three games. Um, and Yes, this is not like a been a murderer's row of of opponents here. They play the Jaguars with a hobbled um, Trevor Lawrence. They played a Packers team. God rest their souls. They're terrible. Uh, I can say that because I'm Packers fans. You can see behind me. Um, they played the Falcons and they played the Panthers over the last four weeks. But this team is very clearly biasing their attention, their plan of attack, their game plan, and how they adjust to games to the ground. Is this a spot where you think like, Rashad White, who's probably going to go largely overlooked in this spot, um, something like a Rashad White and Chris Olave bring back. Are you interested in something like that? Yeah, well, I like both running backs in this game because of where they're priced. They're probably going to be overlooked due to the popularity of Kyron Williams and yeah. uh, Alvin Kamara. And if the same theory for those two players holds true for like what we've talked about with Mike Evans the whole year. Like, I don't think there's a player I've played more this season in DFS than Mike Evans this year because we, every week we talk about it. he's priced under that elite tier. Mm -hmm. Gamers to either just pay up or skip him, uh, you know, but that's the theory for these running backs. And I like both these running backs and stacks this game because they're both similar backs that can be used in the passing game as well. Like they're mm -hmm. not going to be scripted out. So that's why I do. I do like this game a lot from that perspective. Uh, I think you can play it either way. I do prefer kind of the saints passing game with a bucks bring back, uh, you know, and you can get creative with that way. But I, I look at this, this matchup for Derek Carr, and I think there's some signal here and people will go back to week four and these teams played and Derek Carr was absolutely atrocious in that yeah. game. And people want to avoid that. I mean, he, he threw, he couldn't throw in that game. If anyone remembers the week before he got knocked out of the game against the Packers where he had a shoulder and head injury and 61% yep. of his completed passes that game were behind the line of scrimmage. It was the highest rate for any quarterback in a game of the season. He couldn't throw in that game. Big difference now. Uh, he, some of it has been game script induced the last couple weeks. Uh, but he has been delivering two back-to-back -back spike weeks, back-to-back -back top 10 performances. But where Derek Carr has excelled this season is against the Blitz. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, against the Blitz, he's sixth in the league in completion rate. He's sixth in the league in yards for pass attempt. He has seven passing touchdowns, two interceptions against the Blitz. He's ninth in quarterback rating against the Blitz. Tampa Bay, Todd Bowles, we know they're going to dial stuff up. They're third in the league in Blitz rate. The primary beneficiary of all of that has been Chris Olave, Chris Olave, 29% target share against the Blitz. Uh, he's been targeted on 32% of his routes against the Blitz, 2.9 yards per outrun. The only players with more receiving yards against the Blitz than Chris Olave this season are A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, George Kittle, and C.D. Lamb. Uh, and we've also just been attacking the Buccaneers, even not those bells and whistles. We've just been attacking the Buccaneers on the perimeter all season long, especially mm -hmm. the back half of this year. Guys like Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, Drake London a couple weeks ago, Calvin Ridley just last week. These are guys that have delivered spike tournament winning performances against the Buccaneers. And also don't ignore R Rashid Shahid in this spot. You know, if we're on Derek Carr as well, because he also provides a little bit of salary alleviation on a slate that doesn't offer a lot of it. Uh, mm -hmm. He is one of those spike play players. He ran a route on a season high 93% of dropbacks last week, matched the season high in target share. And it, the way he gets his targets are conducive to what the Buccaneers give up. 32% of his targets are on throws 20 yards or further downfield. That's the highest rate in the NFL for any player that has 50 more targets this season. Buccaneers allowed 23 receptions on those targets to wide receivers, 24th in the league, and seven touchdowns on those, on those passes, which is 27th in the league. So something like a car – 
Alave, Rashid Shahid with either a Mike Evans, maybe you add Rashad White to that is something definitely where I'm interested in kind of, you know, opening the books here this week. 100%. You talked about Chris Olave, Derek Carr against the Blitz. Interesting thing about this matchup against the Buccaneers is the Buccaneers are blitzing a ton. They're not hitting home a whole hell of a lot. So, like, Derek Carr has been historically susceptible to pressure. Um, they're doing some things schematically to alleviate that, which is why his um, stats against the Blitz have increased this year. But behind the Blitz, the Buccaneers are playing oodles and noodles of cover one and cover three which are two defensive alignments that naturally facilitate first read targets. You talked about Derek Carr's first read option this year has been Chris Olave. That should only be magnified in this spot against two defensive alignments that kind of harbor first read targets. So that means that Derek Carr is getting the ball out against the blitz to his first read, which more often than not is Chris Olave. And that also is facilitated by those coverages. So very, very interesting spot. There's a question here. What about Kamara? We talked a little bit about him. Um, Kamara is most uh, useful. If you look at his game logs, his snap rates, um, where he is most beneficial is in negative game environments. Mm -hmm. So Alvin Kamara is totally fine. Um, but you are saying that I need to build this roster as if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing with a lead. So how that happens is over to you. The most interesting thing to me, and this is something that Rich alluded to earlier in that discussion, is playing both Rashad White and Alvin Kamara. We just talked about the changing dynamics, the changing tendencies of this uh, Buccaneers offense. If Rashad White is humming, if he is humming on the ground, if he is um, seeing additional volume in the second half, if he pierces 100 yards, two scores, that almost directly correlates to an increased expectation yep. for Kamara uh, for snap rate and for target rate. So um, I like that a good bit. So hopefully that answered your question. Anything to add on that, Rich? No, no. Like I said, I like the both backs too because, like you said, they 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 ping pong off of each other with their the, the the archetype of running back they are, and where they are priced this week. You know, uh, you know, Rashad White's a guy that gamers have been getting to more the last month, but like I said, given the where. Kyron and, and CMC are floating on the slate. Uh, he could go overlooked. Kamara's definitely going to be low-owned. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Yep. I dig it, man. Anything else to add on this game? What are you making of Chris Godwin's three straight double-digit target games? Uh, yeah, like I said, thin usage tree. I have no problem with him. He wants to get the Godwin. Obviously, he only has the one touchdown, right? So, like, him to drop, like, a tournament performance, like, have been very fleeting this year, even though they've been good. Whereas Mike Evans, we know we just have so much touchdown equity, right? I mean, yeah. he leads now the NFL in, in touchdowns. Uh, he's second in the NFL in end zone targets. And we don't have Marshawn Lattimore. The, he's not going to get ejected. <laughs> he's not going to get ejected, man. I he's put gonna, that in my write-up of this At least game. I, I think like, he's not going to get ejected. Like, I mean, <laughs> Maybe Honey Badger will get to He's him. not going to get in a fight in the first quarter with Marshawn Lattimore. I know that. Yeah, that's funny. I I wrote that up in my in my write up of this. And game. he's been the like, he's been more of the man coverage guy, and the Saints still play. Uh, they're still playing a good amount of man coverage as opposed yeah. to the league. Right, obviously a lot of man coverage is a third of the snaps. But uh, Mike Evans has been Baker's kind of go to guy when he is in isolation. So I I still like Mike Evans. It's another week where I probably want to play him. I mean, we live in a world where we do have uh, a salary cap. So you know, if you want to jam in all these guys, obviously it, they're expensive. Yeah. And that that's important. That previous discussion is the Saints are in man coverage, second highest rate in the league, only behind the Cleveland Browns currently. Um, and yeah, that pesky Marshawn Lattimore, man. Um, he's gone. He's out of there, man. We don't have to worry he's about him. Literally, he's literally built to take away Mike Evans. Like Mike Evans is the archetype of or the player that like Lattimore is oh, yeah. useful against. Like it is just like icing on a cake. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that uh, I think we beat that horse dead for this game. <laughs> I'm with you. I like both backs. I like Mike Evans. I like Chris Olave. I think um, if you play Rashid Shahid, it would most likely be most beneficial when paired with Carr plus. Yes. Um, that can be Carr plus Kamara plus Rashid Shahid. That can be Carr plus Rashid Shahid plus uh, Chris Olave. Um. Where do you want to go next, man? I'm going to leave it over to you, dude. I'm, I'm tired of making decisions, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's tough to say, like, from, like, a, a game environment stance. I, I do want to talk just uh, 
let's talk about the Texans for a little bit. Cause this is a, this is a team that I think from a stacking perspective is in an optimal spot. I think gamers are maybe a little bit hesitant to know what to do with CJ Stroud, you know, especially Mm -hmm. uh, there's been historical performance dip from players returning from concussion. He does have a two week absence as opposed to a one week absence. Like we saw at Trevor Lawrence a week ago, but from a top down perspective, like this is a spot screaming for us to attack. And I don't know if we're going to see high ownership on the Texans offense this week. The first guy I want to really talk about is Nico Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, this will hopefully be our first full game with CJ Stroud and Nico Collins since the Tank Dell injury. Yes. Remember, remember the first play of the Jets game, he Collins injured his calf and was out for the rest of that game. When he returned, we've had Case Keenum on the field. But mm-hmm. now we're getting Collins plus Stroud. And with Stroud on the field and Tank Dell off the field, Collins has been targeted on 29% of his routes, 26% of team targets, 2.9 yards per out run. Also, like Nico Collins has been an absolute demon at home this season. Only Tyree Kill has more receiving yards at home this season than Nico Collins. He's had five top five scoring weeks. They've all come in Houston. We get uh, a matchup layered on top of this where 67% of the targets the Titans have faced this season have gone to wide receivers. Uh, wide receivers have scored 66.2% of the fantasy points allowed by the Titans. That's the highest share in the league. They're also 30th in the league in points allowed per game to opposing wide receiver one targets, 18.9 PPR points per game. They're allowing the most receptions per game to outside wide receivers. Uh, so, I mean, Nico Collins, to me, is a guy that is a screaming spike week potential this week, and I'm seeing him at, like, single-digit stuff early, like, at this point on Friday. That's just lovely. Keep going, man. Those are freaking mm-hmm. killer stats, dude. Um yeah, if you're not following Rich, man, follow Rich, dude. Uh, anyway, we digress. Um, yes, Nico Collins against the pass funnel Tennessee Titans, um, 100%. Yes, we know like Nico Collins is not going to play an elite snap rate, but he's still in a route at a high rate, a uh, high frequency for when this team is dropping back. Yes, we know that he is less likely than some other names on the slate to see double-digit targets, but like you said, in the absence of Tank Dell, this is the guy for this offense. It's very, very interesting that now this is the first time since Tank Dell left where both CJ Stroud and Nico Collins are healthy or healthy-ish. And we saw the same thing with Nico Collins on his first calf strain of the season where he came back. He saw double-digit targets in his first game back, but his efficiency was lacking. Same thing happened this past week. Now in week two, removed from that calf strain, uh, I expect great things. I think he's in a great spot. Again, another player in this nebulous range of wide receiver pricing Mm -hmm. where it's human psychology to either go up or go down from this range. So love that. Uh, Love that shout. Um, If you haven't noticed, the two spots that we've talked about this week are two or I guess three if you want to include both teams from the first game we talked about. Um, the players in those games are kind of all priced, uh, in this kind of nebulous range of player pricing in ranges where we don't expect the field to be clicking on because of Tyree kill, because of Christian McCaffrey, because of Kyron Williams, um, in that same sense and that kind of feel of this slate, I want to quickly shift the discussion to value because that's going to dictate how frequent people are going to be able to get up to CMC, to Tyree kill, to Kyron Williams. Um, are you seeing any like pure projectable value pieces that are going to allow the field to get up there this week? Well, I, I, as far as punts, I don't know. I do want to say in that same game that Devin Singletary presents a very unique opportunity. Obviously he is a hedge on, if you don't believe there is a performance dip for Shroud, right. Uh, that impacts Nico Collins uh, and has a trickle down. We are getting Devin Singletary as a home favorite against the team he literally just had 170 yards against two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Also, he is in the same price strike zone as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who is tracking to be one of the most popular running backs this late, and also Zamir White, who could potentially open up and be that player that you just hinted at. If Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs doesn't play, the field is going to jam the hell out of Zamir White in the lineups. So Devin Singletary, definitely don't overlook him because this is an objectively just strong spot, right? Like against this Titans team that's allowed an RB1 score in five of their past eight games, Jeffrey Simmons on IR, they released Tier Tart. Like this is not the same run defense we have seen from the start of the season uh, for them. So definitely don't overlook him either, uh, I think, in that in that same game. 
Love that shout, man. Love that shout. You hit on where the field is likeliest to find their value. It's probably going to be at the running back position this week. Um, there's some interesting thought to be said to the idea of finding that low owned pay down piece that erupts. And we saw this. The reason I bring that up is we saw this play out last week um, with Papa Gates, one of the best volume DFS players in the world, um, shipping the 555 milli on DraftKings. With that DJ Chark two touchdown game at 3,100 and 0.3% ownership. Like <laughs> these are not players that we project to do that well. These are outlier performances, 95 to 99% outcomes. That means they're going to hit that. If we played out this slate on an infinite timeline or last week's slate on an infinite timeline, he would hit that production less than 5% of the time. So that discussion kind of feeds in directly to what we talked about from the macro perspective to start the show, which is we're probably going to need a higher score to ship GPPs this week. So that lends additional credence to taking these shots on low owned upside guys um, to find your value as opposed to following the herd to the mm -hmm. perceived value, which is at running back this week. Hopefully that helps. Um, and, that, and if you play like Zamir White, if you play Clyde Edwards Hilaire, that does not mean you cannot also play like a sub 3,500 wide receiver. Right. You need to get different somewhere. Um, and that is a good spot to do so. Uh, I think that, on that. I, yeah. I mean, I think if you're looking into that same vein of like what would lead you to a guy like DJ Shark, right? Like why you would even take a shot on him. Uh, you're looking at like things like route participation, right? You're you're looking at game environment. Uh, you know, you're looking at you know, um, like I said, the, the opportunity and maybe just not performance. I would say they're the one standout spot that stands out in that regard would kind of be the Arizona Cardinals, right? Like the spot yeah. that they're in. These wide receivers for the Cardinals are doing absolutely nothing, uh, <laughs> but they're facing this wide receiver funnel kind of in the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Like, and we know that the game script's probably going to be in favor of the Eagles and no one's going to really play any of these Cardinals guys. Right. So like Michael Wilson, I, he didn't catch a pass again last week, but he's on the field yeah. literally the entire game. Right. So like a guy like Michael Wilson, like kind of fits that same kind of argument to what would have led you to a guy like DJ shark last week. We, so we have Marquise Brown who's on IR. Yeah. Gone. We had, he gone. We have a pass offense that does not have the pieces to play like extreme rates of heavy personnel. Like they, they ran Elijah Higgins, who, who is a tight end <laughs> in the NFL. Um, not really, though. 28% of the offensive snaps last week. So this is an offense that in their current state, they almost have to be heavy 11 personnel. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Couldn't reach the, the mute. Oh, is it? We got. Right, you gonna make it? Here, cough someone for you, dude. We got a family dealing with RSV over here, so I am coughing my brains out. Um, in that Jesus, that's what the Cardinals' wide receiver core does, man. Like, Thank you. Just, 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 just takes you down, man. They're like an illness themselves. Yeah, sick, sick lead in there. We should have Rondo Moore, Michael Wilson, Greg Dortch on the field um, as in 11 personnel at a high rate. Uh, I do like Greg Dortch as well. That was a long way of coughing to say that. No, I mean, Greg Dortch is just good at the game, man. We've seen again last week. Like He, he left a couple ankles in Chicago uh, yeah. you know, on that touchdown. I, we wish that this, this guy would just get like an opportunity to actually play like full time in like a functional offense because the guy produces usually when he gets a chance to play. And we're back. Thanks for that cough fit. Um, you get some water, man. We need to. You gotta take a drink, dude. I know. I, I don't know why I, I left stuff to blow my nose and water away. Uh, anyway, we uh, we'll fight through, baby. It's a lubrication, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna fight through this. Yeah, Greg Dorch. I mean, over the last two seasons, when this guy sees snaps, when he sees opportunities, he continues to perform. Um, Seventy nine percent of the offensive snaps last week was a season high. Um, with Marquise Brown out, I'd expect somewhat similar um, production this week. So like that is a guy who is probably the cheapest path to legitimate double-digit targets on the slate. Um, so 
can he hit on a modest a dot roll double digit targets in this spot maybe uh, but this is one of those spots where i'm willing to take a gamble on uh anything to add there rich no no i just say that just uh where we're kind of trying to skate to that i mean the eagles are going to be a team that i think gamers have trouble stacking in general just because everyone in philadelphia has been like screaming for the eagles to run the football more right like the fan base yeah and they've started to do it the last month. Last week was their highest rate of 12 personnel and 13 personnel they've run in a game. We have been targeting running backs against the Cardinals the entire season. Like, we only got two more weeks left against this Cardinals defense. So, it yeah. should be a, a strong DeAndre Swift spot. Of course, for DFS, DeAndre Swift is like a prototypical dude that, like, even if he's going to be remotely popular, you want to be out on because he – has to score touchdowns and he had and he doesn't catch passes right so you just need the game where he doesn't score a touchdown and he could be hyper efficient and rush for six yards per carry and sell that pop for dfs at his salary uh because he has a, a force field to the goal line he gets tackled on the one yard line yeah. he's been tackled six times the one yard line and hasn't scored a <laughs> touchdown after that and you can see it on his face because we all know in america what play is coming uh, and if you're not in America, you still know what play is coming after the Eagles get tackled on the one, any Eagle gets tackled on the one yard line. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we're going to see that we're going to see a lot of DeAndre Swift, though, I think in this game from a volume perspective, um, gamers, I don't know if gamers are really going to want to play a ton of him, but Jalen Hurts is in a great yeah. spot. But, you know, you have and, and people are going to inherently bring this back with Trey McBride. Uh, the volume yeah. is still there for Trey McBride. He just let down. And I have no problem with that argument. Objectively, it's strong. But. I do think one of these Arizona wide receivers and like are gonna be kind of like the key to that game stack, though. And I think they're viable without any Philadelphia pieces. Like I think you can play one of these guys as that like final piece on a roster type guy that allows you to pay up in some of these other spots. And I don't think it has to be with the Eagles. Like yeah. yes, like yes, the Eagles are projected to score a lot of points, um, but we always have the ever present. Uh, risk of Jalen Hurts siphoning two of the scores away from the offense or um, Boston Scott coming in for that random touchdown or uh, Kenneth Walker or sorry, uh, Kenny Gainwell um, coming in, scoring a touchdown as he's done this season. So like, yeah, we expect this team to, we expect this team to produce, but when you compare it apples to apples to a team like San Francisco 49ers, um, yeah, sorry, reading some of the comments. When you compare it apples to apples, a team like the 49ers, where the majority, the bulk of their production, we know is going to come through four guys, uh, it becomes a little bit easier to click on some 49ers names over some of these Eagles names. So I don't think you need to only include uh, Arizona Cardinals wide receivers or pass catchers for that matter um, in your Philadelphia stacks. Very, very viable in those, but I, I think they are also viable outside of that confine. Um, let's talk about the 49ers, uh, along that real quick. Um, we talked about the Eagles here a little bit. Talk about this 49ers team against Washington that we know now they're playing extreme rates of cover two. They're playing extreme rates of zone defense. Um, and we kind of know how the 49ers are likeliest to attack that spot. So tell me a little bit about how you're viewing the 49ers this week. Yeah, I mean, is it, it is a spot where, you know, obviously they have the letdown last week, and we, again, only have two weeks left to play against this 2023 Commanders defense, which has yeah. been just such a gift to this fantasy season. Just tried and true, a Gibraltar for us every week. That no, even with Trevor Simeon, you know, Brees Hall got there, Garrett Olsen got there kind of on DraftKings. Saw a lot of targets, that was fun. But, <laughs> um, but we know, like, they're going to give up the bag in, in both aspects. Uh, this from a stacking perspective, though, like, because the 49ers are a team that, like, there's been signal for some of these wide receivers, but they're all kind of getting there on the, the – we're back on the back on kind of our BS of, like, hey, none of these guys are going to approach double-digit targets. They're going to have to be yeah. hyper-efficient on five to eight targets each. And they have been for a large part, but all these also these guys are expensive. So we know one of these guys will probably be left out in the cold when the dust settles on the on the day. I still think, and it goes back to our days when they played the Buccaneers. I still think the, the optimal way to play the 49ers is you stack Brock Purdy with Christian McCaffrey and you monopolize all the touchdowns and you get a piece of all of them. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that show. I think it's also so what we're looking at. When I'm what I'm looking at when I'm looking at this 49ers team is can I confidently project a lean 
in um, target volume one way or the other when I'm looking at these pass catchers. And I think we can this week because when we look at this team's target rates production, um, it's actually Debo Samuel that leads the team in target rate against cover two this season. Um, and we're talking like fairly significantly, like over 30% of the targets against cover two, um, 26, 27% of the targets against a blanket zone coverage. Um, so this is a spot where I think Debo Samuel is the likelier of the three primary pass catcher, four, including Christian McCaffrey. Um, but yeah, I like the Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. You're sinking a ton of salary, man, but you are highly likely with Debo Samuel's rushing role added to this equation to capture every touchdown that is scored from this team in this game, in a game where they could score five plus touchdowns. So um, I think that is a very valid starting point to capture like the closest we can get to guaranteed points. We're never going to say like these are guaranteed locked in points, but it's like high confidence, high percentage points and bulk scoring. Um, this is probably one of those spots where we can have the most confidence in. Um, they have a 31 point team total. Christian yeah. McCaffrey, if you go to uh, your, your, your local sports book of choice, his anytime touchdown is minus 425 at basically every <laughs> book. Like you, you never see something like that. Like that's crazy. It, it just absolutely bonkers. And there's a reason. I mean, you look at the, I mean, Washington, like the past seven, they've allowed a, the seven, the past seven weeks, they've allowed a top seven scoring running back on the slate. Uh, and guy, we're talking guys like Ramondre Stevenson and Tony yeah. Pollard mixed in there, like not the Ew, guys. Who's that last guy you mentioned? Ew, yeah, not that? the guys like. Uh, and, and every single one of those running backs has over 100 yards in scrimmage and a touchdown. I mean, we all saw the spike week from Brees Hall last week. What do you think a guy like Christian McCaffrey is going to do? Um, he honestly, like DraftKings, almost should have went the FanDuel route this week and priced him even higher. He's 11K yeah. on FanDuel. That's where you have to start making decisions. I mean, on draft teams, yeah, it's borderline, exactly. <laughs> borderline sham them in and, and figure it out. It was like the old Russell Westbrook days in the NBA streets when he was ripping off triple doubles. They would make him, or, or in the, if you're in the NFL yeah. streets, like Todd Gurley at one point, FanDuel was making like $12,000, like in like saying, like, all right, if you want to play this dude, and we still were, we still were yeah. doing it. I mean, Christian McCaffrey at 11K, I'm still going to play him. <laughs> yeah. So very, very interesting dynamics from the slate. Anything to add? Any pushback? Well, from just, just the on commanders? the other side of that, do, what, yeah. do you, do you, I mean, we obviously are getting Jacoby Brissett now at this pay down option. Like, is there any pull to say like, all right, well, they're going to drop back 40 times this game. Like I'm getting a $4,900 quarterback. Do I just like soak it in? Do I take it? Do I take that opportunity? You look at a guy like Terry McLaurin as a potential bring back. He's been the highest targeted guy on the small sample we've had with Jacoby Brissett. We also know if the 49ers do give up production, it tends to be to these outside wide receivers. Uh, there's it, they're, they're funny because the 49ers are streaky, right? Like they'll, they'll have spots where they like absolutely just nuke wide receivers like Charvarius Ward's in his bag and he's playing incredible. And then they have weeks where just like they give up just oodles of production to wide receivers. Um, yeah. so you do kind of have, there's some volatility there and obviously Terry McLaurin's averaging career lows in just about every category you could find, but, uh, he would be kind of one of the guys that'd be interested maybe, but that's really it. Yeah. I'm more, no, my answer is more. No, I think, um, in the spot, Terry McLaurin two weeks ago had a career high game against the, uh, Rams seemingly out of nowhere, put up 141 receiving yards, 12 targets and that score. And basically Um, two drives like, yeah, basically, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically two drives, right? Ten um, game. My answer is no. I mean, you still you look at this, you break down the the tendencies of this offense, and they still have a very low rate of double digit target games. They have a very low rate of GPP viable games. You I mean look at even just look at Terry McLaurin. His highest score prior to that uh, offensive eruption was twenty two point six DK points. So, th- under the context of what we just got done talking about earlier where we're probably going to need more points to ship GPPs, I have to doubt any member of this Washington Commanders team as being GPP viable because this is more of a week where we need like blanket 25 to 30 plus point games to ship GPPs likely. Uh, We cannot afford to grab that guy at 5,500 like Terry McLaurin is that puts up 15 points. Uh, and goes for like three-ish times salary multiplier. That's not going to cut it this week in large field stuff. 
smaller field stuff, we can probably afford to have a couple of relative misses or maybe even just bunts uh, as opposed to trying to go for the home runs. In large field stuff, we're going to need to score some pointages. We're probably going to see 245, maybe 250 ship GPPs this week. So keep that in mind as we're building. And that's probably the reason why I don't like any of these Washington commanders. I, I do think when you're looking at how gamers are going to play this slate, they're going to start with a 49er into Ram and try to build their rosters around those two spots. Yeah. Uh, that's basically would be everyone's kind of lean in. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you really fade the 49er side. Um, it's tough. Um, I think the, 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 uh, the giant side probably presents more bring back opportunities than the commander side too. Yeah. Based on salary. Obviously if you're going to pay down at quarterback, would you, are you looking at Tyrod at 46 versus Jacoby at 49 and whatever game people are going to decide to do with Jarrett Stidham? Uh, who's a wild card, at least. He's a wild card. Because <laughs> um, he, he, he had a massive week last year when he came in and everyone kind of counted him out against the 49ers. And he did rush for 34 and 50 yards in his two starts last year. But, I mean, yeah. you have Tyrod we know is going to run. We have this Rams defense that's gotten a little leaky the past month and a half. Some of it is game script stuff. Um, Darius Slayton is a, one of those guys at like 3,400, like the pay down guys that like you could get there on one target theoretically. And then he opens up the he's, slate. He's know. on the field a ton too. The only guy. And, and the Rams are starting to give up big plays to wide receivers, uh, especially, you know, uh, shot plays. Uh, we saw Shahid have a long touchdown last week against them. We just talked about Terry McLaurin those, on those two drives, catching long balls against the Rams. Uh, and one gross dude that probably no one wants to play that I think is interesting in the context of the slate, so where I think people are going to play the tight end position, is Darren Waller. And I know I'm not allowed to say that, but – yeah. He is a massive target share with Tyrod Taylor in the game. He has a good target share with Tyrod Taylor game against all the zone coverage the Rams run. And the Rams have been a tight end funnel for us kind of the entire season. I mean, yeah. they've allowed a tight end one scorer in four straight games. They are 28th in touchdown rate allowed to tight ends. They're 28th in yards for target. I mean, as a skinny, Darren Waller plus whatever Ram you want to play, I'm obviously preferably Kyron Williams, like is an interesting skinny if you are doing that game. Yeah, the the risk there obviously is the fact that Darren Waller returned from injury two games ago. He saw snap rates of 42% and 63%. Like, yeah, that's an improving trend, but non-elite up to this point. Um, so there is risk that they're in a lost season, just not going to give them a full allotment of snaps, um, which is interesting to me why we haven't seen Jalen Hyatt play a full allotment of snaps. Like, you guys need to be evaluating what's going on here. Play Jalen Hyatt over, over Darius Slayton, who is a known entity. Anyway, Darius Slayton is the only pass catcher playing like a near every down role for this team. I lean him if going here. Um, let's talk about the Rams real quick because we obviously have the elite workload of Kyron Williams, but with the pass catchers, either Puka Nakua or Cooper Cup has gone for 100 yards and a score in each of the last four games. They've both done so twice. So this is a very, very focused and concentrated pass offense. It is Cooper Cup. It is Kyron Williams. It is now Demarcus Robinson um, and um, Puka Nakua. It's like those four guys, like not even the tight ends aren't even getting targeted that much anymore. Um, we've seen Tyler Higby and or, oh God, what's his name? Um, the rookie tight end. Oh, Davis uh, Allen. Davis Allen. Um, when Tyler Higby was... Uh, inactive we've seen them see five or fewer targets fairly consistently so this is a pass offense the the box score last week for this rams team was extremely eye-opening it was only four players received a target it was cooper cup kyron williams demarcus robinson and the tight end tyler hidby that's why uh, we love this coaching tree though like yes. it's all these guys shanahan mcdaniel mcveigh Hey, the ball goes to the best players. Durham Smythe, you want Durham Smythe to get targets? Hell no. You know, we're not pulling this Arthur Smith <laughs> shit on these teams. Like These guys, that's why we love these guys. They get the ball to their best players. Yeah. So I am a little bit against um, a Giants defense that under Wink Martindale, they're not as elite uh, in the red zone. Typically, Wink is like, we are going to try and be disruptive between the 20s. If that doesn't work, we're going to let you drive uh, between the 20s and... We're just going to hunker down in the red zone. 
They have typically, Wink Martindale defenses, been very efficient at preventing touchdowns in the red zone. Not so much this season. So I am at least a little bit interested in something like a Stafford plus Kyron plus one of Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua because these guys, one of them has been hitting. They are not hitting together. And yeah, hitting this in is the-, the thing, man, is we're back. We're almost, I wrote this up kind of almost like the, the old DK versus Lockett arguments we used to always have yeah. every week we always would want to play russ and we'd say all right well who are we stacking him with and yeah. we'd uh, probably get it wrong more we probably got it wrong 65 percent <laughs> of the time and yeah. that's where we are with these guys like we can't get there at the same time they should have gotten there last week together uh, you know yeah. Cup had a couple near misses for some tuds um, yeah. but that's kind of where we are they have they have one week where they both been wide receiver one scores the same week and there's only been three games they've been top 24 scores together and they have almost identical target shares the frustrating mm-hmm. part is stafford's playing the best football he has of the season and he's he of actually his career, maybe and of he's throwing career, touchdowns because the front half of the year he didn't throw touchdowns mm-hmm. um and when you look at like the splits even like when you go into the hood and you look like well who all right well let's try to find a micro edge on one of these guys like you said debo versus iu let's try to find a micro edge uh, like who's getting targets versus the blitz, right? And like it's pretty even. Like it's it's almost like dead like dead splits. And then you have the man coverage stuff. Like there's a little bit of lean for cup, but like Naku is still getting thirty percent of like still getting yeah. a viable target share. It's not like these wider splits that you see in some other teams. So it's it makes it really harder to choose these guys who are both expensive. And it's tough when you inherently know. All right, I have to make lineups of both of these guys, but also one of these lineups are probably going to outright fail. Like, because one of these guys can get there. That's what makes it always tricky. In those spots, I typically just look to ownership. I don't see either of these these wide receivers garnering much. No, Um, they're not going to be that popular because of the where we're going here. Yeah. The one thing I'll note before we're done talking about the Rams, because we got a we got a boogie here, um, is if you're playing Matthew Stafford. Yeah, if you're playing Matthew Stafford, you almost have to have a Giants bring back because of the second half tendencies of this team. They if they're playing with a lead in the second half, they're running the football. So um if you are playing Matthew Stafford as this pay-ish this middle range type quarterback, you still need him to put up 28, 30, 32 fantasy points for us this week on this slate. And the clearest path for him to do that is to continue passing the second half clearest path for that to happen is for somebody on the Giants to force this damn team to continue passing. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. We have a question in the chat. Sorry, let me get to it. How will you please ask Rich who his quarterback pool is this week? It has helped me a lot. Thanks, Rich. You have the floor, man. <laughs> well, listen, I write about these guys every week yeah. on the website. <laughs> yeah. you, you can go check it out at sharpfootballanalysis.com. But uh, definitely the guys we talked about, I mean, small field stuff, Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. And then, you know, we talked about Stroud and Derek Carr already on the show. The war- There is one more guy that we might as well get in and talk about this. We have seven minutes uh, that I want to follow ownership on and see just how popular the, ch- the Chiefs passing stacks are going to be. We know Rasheed Rice is going to be popular. Like we yeah. know Rishi Rice is going to be really owned, but are we going to see Mahomes and Kelsey come in and garner any ownership? Cause I don't think so. These, this is the spot where as bad as these guys have been, or as much of a letdown, they met their salary. Like we would want to play these guys. And not only are you getting inherent leverage on Mr. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, who is not a good football player and is going to be popular on this slate. Probably. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, it, everything screams. I mean, tight ends versus the Bengals all year long, right? Like it's been a thing all year long. And then quarter, you want to know how bad this Bengals defense is right now. They are allowed the two highest passing games to the Steelers type of bad. They are allowed the career <laughs> high, a lot of career high fantasy points to Mason Rudolph bad two weeks ago, allow 9.2 yards or passing them to Nick Mullins type of bad. Like this is a bad, bad defense. And mm-hmm. gamers have, are willing to, to eat that 5,300 and 6,500 for Clyde edwards alaire at running back. But, man, the, the passing game here has to be on the menu for the Chiefs. Are you interested? Because we've seen this Bengals team. Um, basically, we basically had Zach Taylor say, like, we're not going to change our offense because we, 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 we know that um, the, the new JB, Jake Browning, instead of Joe Burrow, we know that our new JB can still make all the throws. Um, 
is this a game stack opportunity that's going to be overlooked by the field? I would love to I mean this Chiefs defense. I have a lot of respect for them. They're yeah. just so they're so good. This is a really good unit. Maybe we end up not getting a Legarius Sneed back. Maybe we also get Jamar Chase back. Like those are things still floating in the air that could mm-hmm. open up this game maybe a little bit. I do outright just respect this Chiefs D though. Like I do. Like they're they're a unit, man. Spags has been in his bag this year. Yeah, hundred percent. The what I would say about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is because how well their defense is playing, it has very clearly shifted their offensive play calling tendencies. And those offensive play calling tendencies are now with one Matt Nagy. So that is very different than Eric Bieniemy plus. Uh, but also Andy. with Isaiah Pacheco. Also with Isaiah Pacheco. That is this is true. So to me, like the clearest path to Mahomes and Kelsey, which I do have some legitimate interest in more large field stuff, but um, yeah, these guys are, these guys are large field plays because of the salaries and the way you're going to have to build the lineup around these guys, because playing Travis Kelsey on this slate in particular is a hindrance for the rest of your build, uh, for the players you want to build. Everyone is expensive on this slate. So play paying for the number one tight end is going to restrict you the rest of your lineup building it's probably not going to be a cmc team right yeah yep um let's do out the door stuff man we always uh we always like to do this out the door is there anybody that we did not talk to under the confines of the game environments we talked about or what we talked about so far anybody that is screaming to you as somebody that you're looking to go overweight on no, I think we pretty much hit on most of the guys I tried to stump for, uh, you know, Nico, stuff like that. Uh, I Devin Singletary as, a, as like a pivot. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We got it. I got to mention this Tyreek Hill stuff because Tyreek yes. is a guy that is not projecting to be significantly owned in a game without Jalen Waddle. And obviously that can wow. flip where we are on Friday, right? It's, mm-hmm. And, I, and it, it literally comes down to, again, how – the mentality of building around the slate around Chris McCaffrey and Kyrie Williams. Right. Yeah. Uh, and those two players, just one people oodles of money two weeks ago when you able, you, when you were able to stack them uh, yeah. together, but my goodness, Tyree kill on Sunday ran 20 pass routes without Jalen Waddle. He saw a target on nine of those. He now not even a real small sample here. He's run 120 pass routes this season with Jalen Waddle off of the field. He has been targeted on 57 of those pass routes, 47 and a half percent of his pass routes that Jalen Waddle on the field on those plays, 5.2 yards per out run, 55% of team area, it's 40% of the team targets. When we saw Jalen Waddle miss week three, Tyree caught nine of 11 targets. He ran 21 pass routes in that game. They flooded the Broncos. Now we're catching him in a game environment where we assume the Dolphins are going to have to throw the entire game. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy that had a four has a 48% target per route run rate with this guy this with his cohort off of the field and we saw when Tyree Kill missed the game two weeks ago they did the same thing for Jalen Waddle mm-hmm. against the Jets Mike McDaniel has shown he can consistently get these guys the football in a plethora of ways in a game script where probably they're going to have to throw in this game we are talking about in a, in a slate where Tyree Kill could come in sub 15% owned and maybe have this highest target share of the season like you cannot yeah. ignore that. You cannot ignore that. Did you see the Hard Knocks episode where Mike did in that game? Okay. In that, I don't want to ruin anything, but in that game uh, without Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, on his touchdown reception, that long one, um, it was immediately after a turnover. And Mike McDaniel's on the sideline. He goes, this feels like a one play kind of drive. And the next play, Jalen Waddle down the sideline, man. It was insane. Um, anyway, we digress. Yeah. I love the Tyreek Hill shout. If we're talking about um, things that we have not talked about up to this point out the door, I think you have to consider some pieces of the Raiders and the Colts uh, just because it's the Colts and they're playing in an NFL football game and they breed offensive production. Um, The most interesting two pieces to me from that discussion uh, are Devontae Adams, who's priced down at 7,400 and Jacoby Myers at 5,300. And yes, like we know, we know that um, this Raiders team wants to run the football. Uh, We have an interim head coach who has based his entire like bid for a head coaching job around it. And they want to be the smash mouth team. They want to run the football. So if you're playing one of those pass catchers, the clearest way to do so is with a Colt on the other side. You can play Michael Pittman. You can play 
uh, that have that be Jonathan Taylor. Um, you can take shots on some of the downfield guys from the Colts. Um, primarily Alec Pierce, who's on the field a ton, has one useful week this year. But that's the kind of guy that I'm looking on the slate like this. Carries upside, downfield role um, in a spot where he could get it done. Uh, Enio, by the ways, are out the doors, dude. No, I mean, that covers basically it's, you know, it's been fun. Obviously we're going to come back, uh, you know, and do this for week 18, but the, the, our first time uh, doing this, this season for, uh, you know, they threw us together. We had never done a show. So, uh, you know, happy new year to you. It's been a great year uh, on searching for ceiling. I've loved doing the show. Yeah, this has been great out the door, man. Jacoby Brissett downgraded the questionable with a hamstring injury. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Again, appreciate you guys tuning in sincerely. He is Rich. I am Hilo. You can find him over at Sharp Football Analysis, me over at One Week Season primarily. And we'll see you guys at the top of the leaderboards. Peace, y'all. One Week Season.